Welcome back to another Ag Watchers with uh, Matt Dugleish and Andrew Whitelaw. Uh, today we've got a special guest, uh, Trent Osmond. Uh, we got Trent on because you know Aussie dollar is uh, is rallying a little bit, and we thought, well, you know, neither of us, Matt and Andrew, know anything about FX, especially especially Matt. Matt knows absolutely nothing about FX, so there's no point asking him. So we thought we'd get somebody that actually knows what they're talking about on. Trent? You need, before, before Trent jumps in, before Andrew waffles anymore, you need to um, be trading currencies for more than 12 years before you have any understanding. I'm pretty sure <laughs> doing it for a long time. Well, that's, a, that's a great little sweet segue there, Matt. And thanks, Andrew. Great to be on. Um, geez, lucky I've been in the markets for 13 years and I guess, I guess Maddie, but... Oh mate, you know Aussie is rallying and and um, you know pushing pushing up to highs, but oh look, it's uh, it's just one of those things that's you know part and parcel at the moment of everything going on in the world, I guess. So yeah, welcome the opportunity to have a chat, but don't know if I've got more expertise in this bloody wise circle around us right now. Trent, I'm pretty sure you're a seasoned. Uh, seasoned in the FX market, so we'll be good for that. But we thought the format of today, uh, Matt and I would just talk a little bit about the ag markets, and then we'll probably uh, jump in a bit of FX towards the end, and, and probably a bit about what's happening on FX just now, uh, why it's getting to where it is, and also very quick about why why it is important. You know what difference a rise in Aussie dollar, fall in Aussie dollar means on on our commodities. So, Matt, you had something to say. What have you been looking at? Oh, yeah. Look, I'll just be very quick on uh, lamb, sheep and cattle markets. Um, obviously, the, in Victoria, there's still a little bit of ongoing concern around the abattoir situation. We have seen JBS come back online. Um, there was a, a quick little blip with a bit of a union problem there, but I think they're back on track again. Uh, it looks like the pork sector's um, not far away from getting back on track, so they've managed to get on top of um, most of the disruption. I, I believe the abattoir in coal... Um, a little bit problematic with the number of cases there, but um, the one in Warrnambool um, is all good. So we did see a bit of impact to slaughter, um, a bit of tightening there in slaughter, particularly in um, across the eastern states and particularly in uh, Victoria. And some of that lower demand, I guess, from the meatworks is, you know, last week flowed through to a bit weaker prices, but this week we've seen a bit of a small rebound. So land markets across the board roughly up between 20 to 50 cents a kilo across the land categories. Mutton's pretty flat. Um, in cattle markets, Eki's pretty flat for the week. And um, some of your other categories are, you know, about a 5 to a $0.15 cent increase um, on live weight prices. Uh, so a small rebound. Um, but uh, look, other than that, and, and just keeping an eye on what's happening with these avatars and, and um, spread of COVID, it's, it's been a bit of a quieter week. Hey, Matt. How the um, you know how's the clock looking, mate? Is it on the rebuild or is it still uh, still under a bit of pressure? It's still under a bit of pressure. Um, the one of the stats that you can look at is a sheep off take one. Um, uh, Andrew Woods at ICS is is the man that first started out with that particular stat, and he still publishes it. Um, and it just looks at um, where how, how much sheep are going out, sheep and lamb are going out in terms of both. Um, processed product and also live X away from the country as a proportion of the total flock. And 
Um, the drought last year in, in New South Wales was a, was a big um, driver down of, of, of the flock. And at the moment, we are heading towards back towards a rebuild, but the figures don't quite show that we're at it yet. In the, in the cattle space, um, the big uh, hold on rebuild at the moment is um, the retention of females uh, is still, uh, sorry, the retention of females is, is, not, is not really where it should be. So the female cattle slaughter ratio is, um, is still too high to indicate a, a rebuild for, for the herd. Um, part of the reason why it's high is because, you know, there's been, I guess, less um, male cattle sent through because of the low herd size. But um, we really do need that female rate to be down um, below 47%. Uh, and it's still up around the 52, 53% level at the moment. So um, probably expect towards the end of this year, we, we, we should start to see that dropping. Um, we can't keep slaughtering female cattle the, the levels we are um, without it kind of impacting the ability to, to rebuild long term. Going, going back, Matt, to, to pork, which, which we are clearly, clearly the two of us are biased when it comes to pork. Uh, that uh, that abattoir in uh, or meatworks in Melbourne that shut down on was it last Friday? Uh, yeah, it was last Friday. <clears throat> it's it's planning to be open pretty soon, by the sounds of it, from mm. our industry contacts. But it's there's a, yeah, but it's obviously there's a just it's probably a bigger issue a pork abattoir being shut down than a sheep abattoir uh, because you're pretty stuck on what you can do with those animals. And it's not like you can just take them out of a shed and then put them onto grass, whereas sheep, you can put them in a paddock for a while or you can feed, supplementary feed them. But these, these, these pigs get too big if you leave them too. That's right, yeah. I mean, with cat, and we saw that happening uh, very much so in the US when the US um, went through a similar COVID <coughs> problem in their beef abattoir and their pork abattoirs. Um, obviously, it's not an ideal scenario for any any of those producers and anyone in that space to have um, abattoir shut down because it does it does cause backlogs in any of the livestock that are processed. But particularly for for pigs, it's a it's a crucial one. That the, the pigs are such efficient feeders, and they because it's a, a an intensive system that you know it, it's it's very um, regulated around in terms of that the way that they um, put the weight on. It's it's almost like clockwork. Um, you know, with you know, with the US in the feedlots, they were able to turn off some. And it's US aren't renowned for um, having a lot of grass-fed stuff, but you know, it's obviously very heavily weighted towards the the feedlot industry there, more so than here. Would, would, they did would, they did turn off um, some cattle into the into the pastures um, just to slow down some of that weight gain um, where they could in the US. Um, however, with the pig uh, scenario, you, you can't, as you said, Andrew, you can't turn them off to something else. They've got to be fed and they're going to put weight on because they're such efficient uh, animals in that space. So, you know, they, they had to actually cull a lot of pigs in the US, um, you know, because they just had such a massive backlog, which was a real disaster for the farmers there. Yeah, and I think that's, that was the biggest concern as well when, when, uh, when we saw that that abattoir was closing down on, on a personal level for us. If we wouldn't, that's the last thing we'd want to be doing is, is culling animals. Uh, but you know, we're not at the same stage as we were in the U S at least not yet. Cause I think Trent, the last time we spoke on a podcast together was when uh, at that point, Victoria had record levels of, of COVID cases. And I think it was about 50. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is this? This re- recurring theme? What are we printing today? Like seven hundred and fifty? It's uh, yeah. I don't know what it is, mate. Maybe 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 we shouldn't be doing these, these yeah. podcasts or something. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, you know, there, Matt, and, you know, talking on, on the pork side of things, the, the, the LinkedIn post you shared the other day around the, you know, the um, USDA data on, on, on beef and veal, you know, being up by, I don't know, 25 odd percent, um, you know, comparatively speaking in the States, is that, would you say that that's got to do with, you know, putting the cattle back in, in the paddock and, you know, turning off, I guess, the, uh, the pigs or is that trade war kind of stuff that we're seeing, abattoirs being, you know, been, been shut down? What's, uh, what, what do you kind of put that down to? I need to check with what one you're referring to there. There was one I put out on, on the prices that uh, during that whole Meatworks episode, what happened to beef cutout prices and what happened to livestock prices. I'm not sure if that's the one or is there another one that was, you know, I put out a few things and I can't recall exactly which one you are <laughs> <laughs> posting, mate. <laughs> Very active. Um, if it's the if it's the one regarding that whole episode with the shutdowns, it was a post just showing. So April was the big month where they had the shutdowns in the US, um, and the we we had a curious scenario there because normally you'd expect the price of beef at the wholesale level, the cutout price, which flows through to the retail sector, um, that actually went up significantly over the month of April. It went up about a hundred percent. So basically, meaning the price of beef was getting more expensive. Um, because there was this this um, lack of uh, ability for the abattoirs to process, so shortage of stock uh, flowing through all the way to the retail end. And, and at that stage too, there was a little bit of panic buying in the US of products, so that meant that there was um, that, that kind of exacerbated the shortage. Um, but at the same time, you had the, the abattoir buyers not buying the livestock and there was a backlog of livestock you know, coming into the abattoir or, or waiting to come in. Um, so that meant at the sale yard, the prices dropped over the month of April and they went down about 20%. So it was less of a trade factor, that one more of a, a supply side disruption. So, yeah, how about we just do, I'll be ultra brief on, uh, on grains, because uh, I know Trent's itching to talk about FX. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so we're in that period of the year we said it last week. I've always said to people, if you're a if you're a consumer of grain, you don't really want to be buying this time of year. When you're a grower of grain, this is a good time to sell. There's always these mid-year spikes. It gets volatile. As soon as somebody puts out a tweet saying that the Russian crops looking bad, all of a sudden the market will go up. And we are starting to see that. We're just seeing that sort of really volatile spikes in the marketplace. Uh, but overall, the reality is that the market has probably hit a, hit a peak for the month about two weeks ago, and it's really slid down since then. And we're around about probably five dollars less on ASX for the coming harvest than we were uh, last week, and we're we're just seeing that sort of topsy turvy nature of the market going up and down. Uh, when it comes to oak crop, there's still Old crop is still staying a bit firm. There's, there's a lot of good uh, good bids out there, and that's basically from consumers who are trying to get the you know July, August, September, October period filled before harvest. Uh, there's not a huge amount of grain left from from the previous old crop, and so that's basically you know driving a bit. If anyone that's got a bit of grain, they can probably negotiate a, a, a pretty good price. Uh, but when we see likes of Russia. Russia is a big driver of what's happening to our, our markets nowadays on, on wheat. And, uh, 
you know, the projections are, are so variable. Uh, really talking between a 75 and an 80 million ton crop. Uh, but there was some stats put out by Rostat, which is a Russian government agency, uh, of their planting figures and its record levels of, of, of plantations uh, for this season. And that's probably pushed the market to think, well, okay, yields are going to be down, but we've got that big acreage. So we might be able to still pump out a fair old bit into the marketplace. Uh, and again, there's still this issue around demand and that we've not been through this pandemic type situation. We don't know if demand for, for grains is, is going to come under some, uh, some pressure. And we have seen that, you know, really exacerbated with corn and that we've seen uh, a lot of biodiesel or bioethanol coming out of the marketplace in the early part of the year. It's rebounded and uh, we're sort of productions increasing, but also stocks are increasing, which is pointing towards actual usage of bioethanol actually potentially dropping. But what we're seeing is effectively is, you know, these, these little spikes of, 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 uh, of demand. So it's going to be an interesting one. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for growers to, to lock away a bit of good pricing. Andrew, quick one. Is there, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is there enough for Russia and the Australian crop to both have a bumpy year given the pandemic going on at the moment? Yeah, and I, there's no point saying, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. I'm obviously going to be able to answer it. <laughs> whether, whether I give a good answer or not is the opposing thing. I might just give you some nonsense. Uh, is there a good? Is there a spot for it as well? There's always a spot for everyone. There's always somebody go, who's going to buy the grain, but it just depends on at what price. But you, it's interesting you said that about a bumper crop for both of us. Our crop is looking, you know, good. You know, you you get around the place and there's a, there's a bit of confidence out there. There's a there's a, you know there's some patches that are getting dry, like so the Wimmera is getting a bit dry at the moment. The Air Peninsula is getting a bit dry. Uh, but the reality is that we're only at the end of July. We've had a pretty good start to the season. And so we get a good August rain and it'll go gangbusters. But my projections are still sitting at that, you know, probably 25 to 28 million ton crop nationally, you know, with the potential if we, if it dries out to, to fall back to, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of the 20 to 23 but that's based on it not raining again so i'm i'm pretty confident and that's what we need after two 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 particularly bad years and going back to russia you know even if we get a seven to eight million ton crop 10 years ago that would have been you know gangbusters that would have been a huge crop and so we're still talking a big crop regardless and yeah, it will it will trade and uh, and and prices in Russia are staying quite firm. Normally, this time of year, you would find that Russian wheat would be quite cheap because you'd have a lot of farmers who've just harvested and just selling it, and a lot of lot of supply prices drop. But they seem to be quite stubborn this year, holding on to the grain. Uh, Matt, yeah, just um. I thought you were winding up, so I was just going to give you the signal to say I was going to ask Trent a question. I haven't even started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get, get, get back in your box. 
<laughs> Maybe I won't ask a question next time. <laughs> the, um, s- s- simple answer, yes and no. <laughs> there we go. For the, um, for the listeners that aren't familiar with trend, it's one of those things you've, you've asked a few uh, fairly uh, topical and, uh, and good questions, both in the livestock and the grain space. And then some listeners might be scratching their heads thinking, what's this... Uh, Current, what, what's his currency? Uh, I was going to call you a currency cowboy. That's what we used to get referred to by uh, Paul Kirti years ago. Um, what's his currency guy? Was he so interested in what's going on in the ag space? And um, and you know, could you just give us a quick rundown why why are you guys uh, so keen on on this ag side of things? And, and how come the the interest and the fascination with what's going on in ag, Trent? Beautiful straight between the eyes back at me. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I guess personally, um, you know, been with the um, been in financial markets for thirteen odd years now, and you know, assisting businesses, um, you know, with with their cross currency exposures and that sort of thing. And look, I'm a big fan of you know regional Australia, and you know, the old man, and you know, from his childhood days, you know, being in Jackaroo and, you know, now running a holiday and destination farm up in Coonabarabin and always had a sweet spot, you know, uh, for it. And I guess in recent years within, um, you know, putting my commercial hat on, I guess it's, you know, my portfolio has been more geared towards, you know, the agribusiness, the agri-exporters, you know, some on the, on the input side, your chemicals and thirds. And I, I guess, you know, it's, it's just a good match from a, cultural standpoint, you know, for us at Western Union and, and myself, you know, personally, um, you know, great bunch of people that we deal with and I like to think we are too. So what we, uh, I've got an interest in it. I think, you know, I, I, I have, you know, great aspirations for what the industry can do in, you know, the years to come with National Farmers Federation's initiatives and whatever else. And, um, you know, why not get behind it now and, you know, support, which is what we can do. And, um, you know, help the industry grow and, you know, help kind of put a couple of bob back in everyone's pocket. Have you have you really been in FX for 13 years or are you just saying that because I said at the start you had to be in it for 12 years before you uh, knew anything about it? He's been in it for 12.5 years. But you look, if he's, <laughs> he must have started when he was seven because he, he, he looks like he's about 20. I don't know if, uh, if you just age really well or not, but... Uh, because the thing is, I thought that the FX guys aged more. Just, and that's only because I only know you from FX, Matt. And, well, well, and, you're, and you're only 22. <laughs> and you look about 50. <laughs> oh, how was that? No, look, it's what? It's, it's 13 years this time next month. 26th of August. I remember it. It was, um, it was around when, when my birthday was. And I was like my 19th birthday when they bloody signed me up. So you're not too far off, mate. And, and I joined the Dots 32 this year, so happy days. Oh, well, the only reason I picked 12 as a, as a, as a figure is because that's when I finished. And I thought, oh, well, I must have finished just when I was starting to learn stuff. So maybe uh, I didn't realise you'd been in there that long, uh, Trent. That your, uh, your youthful appearance belies uh, the intellect and the knowledge of FX so that you know, far exceeds uh, what you look like when you, when you look at your things. See, this is, this, is, this is Matt buttering Trent up before we start firing into questions to him. <laughs> that's true that's true yeah. put that down to uh dan andrews letting us continue fishing uh in times of lockdown mate it keeps you youthful <laughs> but and look andrew was talking a bit about the volatility um that, that can be present at this time of year for certainly for grains um we've seen a, a little bit of um 
you know, kind of smaller levels of volatility in livestock space just because of some of this COVID disruption. But certainly um, from a livestock perspective in Australia, prices are still pretty good. Um, but one of those things that I know from those years ago in the currency market, that volatility was always the enemy of the Aussie dollar to a degree. But um, we've seen trend since, um, since that initial sell-off down to the mid-50s after COVID was breaking. We've, we've seen a, a big recovery uh, in the Aussie. Can you give us a bit of a rundown as to what's driving... Um, yeah, this Aussie up up into the kind of you know, low seventies now, um, and it's a, it's a big turnaround. What's what what are you seeing on the ground there, and what's what's kind of behind it? Well, Matt, in your thirteenth year of uh, financial markets, they tell you everything, right? So <laughs> you just missed the boat, buddy. But um, oh no, look, it, without boiling the ocean about all the variables, it basically comes down to you know, central banks and interest rates, you know, that, that drives, that drives the currency. Um, you know, we had the Fed overnight, um, even rewinding back to, you know, when the Aussie was, was down, at, you know, fell from 65 down to 55 in, you know, uh, a matter of days and now where it is, it was, you know, the, the, the world was coming to an end, right? You know, it, it, that, that's, that's the scene. And, you know, there's a, there's a flight to safety and, and sell off risk. And, you know, usually the Australian dollar, Australian economy is, is, is associated with the RBAs, you know, slightly higher yield compared to, you know, the US, um, you know, Europe, UK, that sort of thing. So um, typically gets dumped and that's what we saw. However, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of, couple of months is you know, that return to the yield hunting. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put it down to the carry trade, but, you know, US rates at 0%, the Fed overnight said that, you know, the outlook is... Is it still unknown? Is there further room for rate cuts there potentially? You know, if that's the case, Aussie goes further. Aussie goes higher. It's just that's just what happens. You know, it's um, um, your general general advice for you, of course, and, and that sort of thing there. But you know, when when the RBA came out earlier this week and or so earlier this month and was, was basically neutral in their view, we're our interest rates are a quarter percent. You know, comparing globally, so yeah, I don't think it's. Like I think it's funny that that, that that the comment about you know interest rates, you know, and the differential between between nations' interest rates, and we talk about how Australia's got a high interest rate of a quarter of a percent. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would have thought of that thirteen years ago, Trent? Mate, exactly right. I mean, it's um, it's it's unbelievable to think. But I think the other thing which which I will touch on, interesting stat that um. Uh, Kyle Page and I were, were talking one of our risk solutions guys internally was was around the Fed's balance sheet over I think they've been in operations for 107 years and 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 prior to COVID they built up you know basically a balance sheet you know worth four trillion dollars and and since the start of COVID to now that's increased to seven trillion you know just to put it in perspective you know the, the money the printing that's happened from a quantitative easing standpoint over the last couple of months is unbelievable so you know that's the other consideration that's going on here and that's why you know aussie you know aussie isn't charging it's just us dollar weakness that, that that's what's in markets at the moment in terms of like we, we did a chart or i did a chart a couple of days ago looking at interest rates around the world and then we look at australia it's what quarter of a cent and then but then you look at other countries uh argentina for example, you know, a lot of these developing countries have got really high interest rates. Why is that? Should should I be putting my money over there? Taking taking, I'll take my my, my royalties from this podcast and put it into Argentina. 
Sure, do it. Try and get it back. That's the problem, mate. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, that comes down to the, you know, can I get it there and, 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 and can I get my money? You know, it's, and, that, and that's the thing to be mindful of. And I guess what I was talking about was probably more in, in, in sense to, you know, develop nations. Um, you know, that, that's for sure. But yeah, there's, there's some high interest rates floating around out there in, uh, in other parts of the world, that's for sure. But, you know, the old, as the old saying goes, mate, buy beware. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, and, it, and it, we obviously look at FX rates all the time as well. Uh, not just not just the Australian uh, interest rates. Uh, not sorry, not just the Australian uh, sort of cross rates. We also look at a lot of other ones as well. Like a good one for us to look at is things like the ruble um, and and the euro as well. Because if the euro depreciates, then Russian grain becomes more attractive, and that's again our our main competitor. If, if Matt's looking at, you know, Brazilian. what is it, the Brazilian real? Obviously, that's that's and some of those South American uh, competitors. I mean, they're in a slightly different space in some markets with the quality of their beef product, and, and they've got other issues around. You know, Australia's got a far better reputation for quality and also for governance and traceability and stuff. But um, you know, when you're talking about products that are significantly cheaper uh, from a pricing point, just because of the current valuation, then that can make them quite competitive. But but in in, in, trend, in in terms of obviously a big focus for us is is export markets yeah. uh, because obviously we are a net exporter of most of the commodities we produce. Uh, but then you look at things like uh, inputs. You know, like a high Aussie dollar is not necessarily it's not bad for everyone. Mm. Like if if you're importing fuel or fertilizer, that's uh, that's also you know, a stronger Aussie dollar is going to help on that as well. And you guys have much exposure to the, I guess, the input type side of things, or, or most of your customers focused on exports. Yeah, very good question. And like, it, it's it's the lens you look through, right? So if obviously if you've got a crop and you need your inputs that are manufactured in China, for instance, or Southeast Asia, you're going to save. A couple just naturally you know, the Aussie dollar higher, right? So yes, you know, whilst the Aussie dollar is you know higher from an export standpoint from a processor, not ideal. There could potentially be some cost savings, you know, at the start of the cycle, right? Um, you know, do we? You know, and, and then then in the answer to your second point there around, you know, who are we predominantly looking after? I mean, now where we have the greatest traction is in is in um, animal protein and and grains. And they're your biggest market, so you'd, you'd assume so. So, I mean, I think it's beautiful, like, the way that FX is, right? So I'll compare it to FX. Every day, there's an opportunity to, you know, to purchase. It. Well, the price of, of grain and, 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 and animal protein moves like the currency does, right? So you're, in a sense, or to a degree, that there is an element of, you know, uh, ability to, to manage that volatility, either on the procurement side or, or when you're looking to sell, right? So that's why I like it. You know, everyone's got, a, got an even playing field to work on. You put your best foot forward, have a crack at it. Um, you know, if you come up trumps, happy days and, you know, you help somebody out, I guess, uh, is, is the way that we, we kind of approach it. So, so if I can put in some orders for some farmers, uh, we'd like 50 cents dollar between November and January and a parity maybe above parity for, for February, March, so we can buy the inputs. You know, if you guys can arrange that, 
you know, that would be that would be pretty handy. Tell you what, you guys uh, at AgWatchers, mate, we can arrange some special little deals for you and, and also your also your bum. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's probably about it, really, isn't it? We sort of we sort of covered it all off. We're all FX experts yeah. now. Um, go, that's we could always end with before we hit the music, Andrew. We could always end with a curly one for Trent and say, ask him where where's it going in the next uh, six months? The Aussie dollar. Give us a figure, mate. Oh, well, is he allowed to do that? You know, is he going to get? This, this is just him. It's not the official view. Yeah, I mean, the way you caveat Andrew is according to the Reuters poll. Arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> so or Stephen Dooley. Um, has indicated, you know, they're, they're, they're the advisors. So, yeah, look, I mean, you know, our house view at Western Union is that there is likely to be some upward pressure in the currency. Um, however, with that said, as you see year in, year out, there are opportunities to buy the dip, you know. So at the moment with Aussie, where it is, it, 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 you know, we think that there's a good chance uh, at Western Union, and, you know, Stephen reiterates this in our morning wraps that, you know, Aussie will, We'll probably break 72. However, don't be surprised if, you know, we on the downside, we get back down to 70 cents, you know, in the next couple of months. Um, but, you know, Stephen's house view, wigs of the year, you know, circa 74. I remember, yeah. I remember when, when we first met you, Trent, and you were asking about, uh, about agriculture. And one of the first things that you had, uh, that you'd gone out and bought and bought. You, you'd run across the road from the Western Union office on Collins Street, isn't it? Is it Collins Street? Yes, yeah. Ran across the road to uh, the R.M. Williams store. Bought yourself a <laughs> flannel shirt, uh, a waistcoat, and a pair of R.M. Williams boots, and an Akubra as well. Is that right? Yeah, I mean... No, not, yeah, not, 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 that, not that you were following stereotypes or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, just doing my bit for the economy, you know. You've got to put it back into the industry. But, um, no, look, the flannels, I've been running flannels since I was a bloody kid, mate. But um, the, uh, the RMs, you're right, they're out of my price racket um, normally. But, you know, if you work in the ag industry, you can expense it. So I thought I'd get some creative accounting going on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> safety, <laughs> safety boots. Poorly <laughs> paid currency trader complaining about the prices from Williams, seriously. <laughs> uh, very very quality product actually and i'll give him a cheeky plug here definitely get in there i think you know uh coming into the change of season here we've got the old stock new stock so get on down to rms and you know help help out the retail trade but no i, I will before i do leave i did um i did lose my career the other day i don't know where i was uh, i don't well, obviously i don't know i lost it but um i was, I was having a look around for it the other day i was, I was heading out in the uh the beautiful sun of Melbourne uh, this time of winter and um, and it's gone, mate. So, you know, Christmas is only a couple of months away and if you guys feel like dipping into your pocket to say thanks for uh, some great content on this podcast, you know where I live. Yeah, we'll look into that. So we're, we're just, we're just, I'm just, I've got my calculator out just now and I'm just, I'm just working out the, the, the this podcast is finances. Minus two. Okay, you we're, 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 we're about a couple hundred dollars away from being positive. Uh, and we're sort of, unfortunately, it's going the opposite way. Uh, so it might be a bit of time. Maybe, maybe 2030. But we have found out we can potentially get you a discount on them. So, 
now we're talking. We'll talk about that one offline. So, so Trent, we're going to have to start the music now. So we'll get the Bosch board out. We'll get the, uh, the banjo. Tuned it up. It's all tuned up. Ready it's to all go. tuned up. And uh, thanks for coming along. Thanks for, having, thanks for uh, uh, giving us a bit of an insight into FX. And uh, we'll catch you on the other end. And we'll, 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 we'll put you down as one of our FX correspondents. Uh, so we might call upon you when, uh, in a few weeks' time, when it goes from 72 to 55, and we'll ask you uh, why your <laughs> prediction's go. gone this way. <laughs> nah, beautiful. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, uh, Jensen. Yeah, I hope that some of your listeners or all of your listeners took something from this, and yeah, more than happy to, to help if they've got any questions too. No worries. Catch you later. Ciao for now. Thank you.